Welcome to Catechesis, a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Catechesis is Greek for teaching. That's precisely what we will do with this podcast. Take Christians back to their roots through spoken word and study. Here's your host, Pastor James Goodlett. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in beautiful downtown LaGrange, Georgia, broadcasting from the lovely Lewis and Broad Studios. Got Leighton Parker, our fearless producer and director and editor here in studio with me. And Leighton has been quite the busy bee lately because this Sunday, May the 1st, 2 to 6 p.m., Lewis and Broad presents... Listen, LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. It'll be at Pure Life Studios, great singer-songwriters who will be with us that day. It's going to be a wonderful day. All proceeds go to Circles of Troop County, an organization here in our community that is on the front lines of fighting poverty going to be food trucks, going to be beer, wine, kid-friendly games. It's going to be stilts and unicorns and, right, Leighton? No, we're not going to have stilts and unicorns. Liability. Unicorns, they, they've, they, they come, you can get sued for unicorns. Anyways, hope to see you there. It's going to be a great, great day. Again, 2 to 6 p.m., at Pure Life Studios. And we also have a number of other podcasts. We're about to wrap up season three of Lewis and Broad, our flagship production. So I hope you will tune into that. You can follow us online, lewisandbroad.org, social media at Lewis and Broad, and just to see what all we're up to. But it's a busy time for us here. But... This is catechesis, so we're going to talk a little bit about the scripture for the week. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there is a lot happening in the scripture. I mean, a lot. It is John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. I'm just going to tell you, it's kind of a strange one. Now, by this point in time... Jesus has shown himself post-resurrection or post-empty tomb to Mary Magdalene, who then went and told Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved about it. And then Jesus showed himself to the disciples without Thomas in the room, and then on to uh, the next week, he presented himself to the disciples with Thomas in the room, and Thomas got to see the scars for himself. But that's, that's where we are. And this is the very last chapter of the Gospel of John. And I just want you to put yourself in the sandals of these folks. This was a scary time. These disciples had committed their lives to following Jesus, and then the person around whom they centered their lives had been killed 
publicly, embarrassingly, humiliating. And then all of a sudden, he's showing himself to them after he was dead. Now, that's a lot to process, which might be the biggest understatement of all time. But let's also think about, from a, just a, a sheerly public relations standpoint, one of the disciples named Judas had betrayed Jesus. One of the insiders didn't believe, okay? That's not what you want when you're trying to start a movement. And then Peter himself had denied Jesus at the time when Jesus needed him the most. Three different times. So this following Jesus movement was off to a an inauspicious start. I wonder if those disciples, I wonder where they were when it came to trusting one another. Two of their boys had not behaved well. And now Jesus has come back to them a couple of times. There's just a lot happening here. There is a lot hanging in the air. Questions, doubts, fears, curiosities, anxieties, all the feels. So now we zoom forward. And and remember um, that Jesus had appeared to them before this in a room, and they had kept those doors locked in that room for fear of what the Jews might do to them. So a little different situation happening in John 21. Next time Jesus shows his post-resurrection self, it's at the Sea of Tiberias, where you have Simon Peter, and you have Thomas, who's called the twin. You have Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and, and two other of Jesus' disciples. Now, Peter, for whatever reason, says, hey, let's go fishing. This is what he used to do. He was a professional fisherman. It was his trade. It was how he earned his living. Now, don't know why he decides to go fishing. Maybe because he wasn't so sure Jesus would ever come back. Maybe he wasn't sure that he was worth going out into the world and spreading this movement because of what he had done in those denials. Or maybe maybe he was just hoping, Peter was hoping he might encounter Jesus out fishing because he he met him there before when he was called. We don't know why, but Peter says, let's go fishing. So they go out. And I will tell you, I'm no professional fisherman. I love to fly fish. It is one of my happy places, but it is not my job it is not how I earn a living so it is one thing when recreationally I decide to go out see if I can catch some fish and I get skunked we don't catch a single thing it's frustrating but when it's your livelihood to get skunked 
to get goose egged. Incredibly frustrating, deflating. They must have wondered, have we lost our touch here? What's going on? So just after daybreak, so they had been going fishing at night. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know who he was. And so Jesus says to them, using a a term of intimacy, he says, children, you have no fish, have you? And, and it's so easy just to gloss over this reading, but have you ever had an experience where you failed at something and then you feel like somebody's rubbing it in your face? I mean, I, I can almost empathize with the disciples. If somebody who I did not know on the shore was like, hey, uh, where are all the fish? After you've been out all night. I, I can't say that I would take to that comment too kindly. Says they answered him no, but I can hear them be like, no, dude, go away. We've been out all night. It has been a rough night. We haven't caught a thing. And seriously, you're asking us that? Do you see any fish? Hello? And then this stranger has the nerve after they have been out all night long to say to them, well, hey, why don't you try the right side of the boat? I'm... I've noticed that you've been a little left heavy. Have you, have you tried maybe the right side? I don't know. I've just got a feeling about it. My guess is they had been fishing every which way. Front, back, left, right, everywhere. I can imagine that those disciples did not take too kindly to his advice, but nevertheless, they were also desperate because, again, this is their livelihood. And how are you going to eat if you don't have any fish? Okay, we'll try it. We'll show you. We're not going to catch a thing. And they cast it. And wouldn't you know it, They were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. Find out later on, 153 of them, which is no doubt a symbolic number. Some have wondered if that's the number of people who were in their congregation at that time or the diversity of fish and called to go out and reach out to all people, a wide diversity of people don't exactly know. We just know that there were plenty of them. Jesus lives in the world of abundance, not scarcity. And Peter then immediately realizes it is the Lord. Now, how we know how he knows that? We don't know. Maybe He just remembered what it was like to be with Jesus and how things like this used to happen all of the time. Sometimes we are in the presence of the divine and we can't put a finger on how we know it. We just know it. And that's might just be what's happening here with Peter. 
And then my favorite little detail of the story. It says here in verse number seven. And actually, I had that wrong. It's the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And Simon Peter hears it and believes him. And here it is. He put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. I read commentary after commentary. They didn't really address it. So I then actually Googled this. Why was Peter naked? I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous about the result I would get. But people have looked into this before because it is a curious little portion of the text. And some have suggested, well, he might have been not completely naked if you if you look at the way people worked or maybe he, maybe their work garb was to be naked or to be barely clothed at any rate when he realizes that it's the Lord, it's time to put on some clothes and jump in the water and go after him. Not working anymore. Don't need to have on the work attire. Let's put on some clothes and go see the Lord. That's what happens when Simon Peter hears from the disciple whom Jesus loved that it is the Lord. And he swims off to pursue Jesus. And then I love how the other disciples were left back in the boat. You know, Peter's like, y'all got this. Like that person who lets everybody else clean the kitchen. I need to go see Jesus. Y'all, you, you can get these 153 fish in, right? And so they do. They drag the net full of fish. They weren't far from the land. It says only about 100 yards off. And they see a charcoal fire there. Now, at charcoal fire, that should bring back memories of the time when Peter denied Jesus, as should everything else that follows in this story. They're at a charcoal fire. Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter goes, hauls the net ashore, finally does his part. Full of large fish, 153 of them, as we talked about. The net was not torn, even though there were so many. I just love these little details of the story. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. They weren't going to insult him. They just knew it. Again, they were in his presence. They just knew it to be true. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Hmm, loaves and fishes sound familiar? Jesus liked to come and break bread with those folks. Last Supper, sound familiar? Charcoal fire again, sound familiar? This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, speaking of those three denials, Jesus then asks Simon Peter three times, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then he asked him again, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Third time, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And three times, not coincidentally, is Peter asked 
if he loves Jesus. And then in the antiquities version of the morning news, Jesus tells Peter that there will come a day when you will die, not by natural causes, but you will die for my sake. And then after that, he says to Peter, follow me. There is so much happening in this scripture. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's what he asked Peter. And that's what he's asking us. It's easy to say, Peter, shame on you. And yet, time after time, we deny Jesus. And I can guarantee you it's more than three times. Do you love me? That is not just a question for Peter. That is a question for all of us. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do what I have asked you to do. Fish for what I have asked you to fish for. Cast your nets where I've asked you to cast your nets. Listen to my voice. Sheep hear the voice of their shepherd and they know exactly who it is. We may not be able to put a finger on how, but we know. Church, will we jump out of that boat? Will we push everything aside and pursue the risen Lord? What will that mean for us? What will that look like for us? To say, yes, Lord, we love you. Follow me, he says. See where it takes you. That is the end of this catechesis. There is so much more in this scripture. Please know that these podcasts by no means holistic or comprehensive. There's so much good stuff to mine from things like passages like John 21, 1 through 19. And I would love to hear your thoughts. What do you think about this scripture? I'm going to be preaching on it on Sunday. I would love your feedback. So post it. Post it on Facebook or, or on online, wherever we are. Facebook's the greatest place for us to have conversations about what's going on here in John chapter 21. I would love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, everybody. Remember who and whose you are. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Be sure to follow along on our websites, 
lewisandbroad.org and fpclagrange.org. See you next week.